Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. to connect with us whether we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter it's all the same name Trend Chat 24-7 and I write for Politichicks.com if you want to read some of my articles just go to Politichicks.com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe I definitely want to bring that up today because um, I was uh, very much surprised this morning to see a post from Anne-Marie Marie Morel and <laughs> And uh, she posted an article on Politics called, you know, a Who's Who. And it was just a list of current and former contributors of Politics and just talking about where they're at now. And as far as some are maybe going on to, to do other things for other publications or maybe even running for office or, uh, no, a you know, a variety of things and it was you know like I said to my surprise to see my name in that article 
uh, to be amongst the other uh, contributors. And as I posted on social media all day and today, that I am thankful, grateful for politics and especially Anne Marie for you know her encouragement and I mean truth be told if without her encouragement and her advice and what she's you know has done for me you definitely wouldn't be hearing me right now <laughs> definitely because you know that's that's yeah that's a hundred percent true you would not be hearing me so um it was just it was just amazing to see and I I'm definitely am humbled by that and you know um like I said that was a very pleasant surprise to, to wake up to to see and and like I said you as far as writing the articles and you know being in the book of all things you know it, <laughs> And all this, what, in the past two years? And here we are now. You know, this is episode 98. And we're coming up on the 100th episode of Trend Chat. Something I never would have thought about doing. And I would say all that started back from with Anne-Marie and her encouragement. So, you know, since, since we're talking about political chicks, let's just... um. Let's hear a little more about the new book from Politics. Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of Trend Chat, also a contributor at Politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism, with over 300 pages from contributors like myself, talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at Politichicks.com and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, <laughs> man. That guy sounds good. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So you know, just um, thanks to Anne Marie for including me in the list, and look forward to continuing to contribute. It's you know, in a way that I can. Um, so now, first thing I want to mention. I guess you probably noticed that there wasn't an intro, I guess. An intro in the sense of me coming on before the music starts and saying what's coming up. So let me tell you what's coming up. <laughs> We're going to talk with the director of NRA National School Shield, um, Sheila Brantley. Uh, we're going to have a interview with her. And actually, you know, I guess it's going to kind of feel like a part five of the NRA annual meetings. But because this was part of a, well, she was part of a panel that was going on at the NRA annual meetings um, at the um, in Dallas recently, and unfortunately I wasn't able to be there, so I got a card and I was that you know I was saying that hopefully I'll get a chance to talk with her later because I really was interested in talking about this program and wanted to know more, especially what's been going on um, recently and. You know, especially with the focus really being being on schools, especially with, you know, the people with March for Our Lives and all in the walkouts and all that. And so there's been a lot of emphasis on schools. And so when I saw this program, um, honestly, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know it even existed. 
um, then turn to find out in the throughout the interview, which you will hear that, it you know, it's been around for um, a couple of years. So and so, like I said, we'll we'll talk with uh, with Sheila later on. But I uh, just want to mention a couple of things, obviously, since the last time we've been on. The U.S. Embassy has moved. Well, it was open. It opened in Jerusalem. And that is something that has been talked about for over 20 years, at least. And it finally happened to to move the U.S. Embassy to to Jerusalem. And like I said, we we've had presidents, Democrat, Republican alike has said that we were going to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Clinton said it. Bush said it. Obama said it. Neither one of them did it. So here we are with President Trump. He said it. It actually happened. So in in, in the sense of having, you know, previous presidents, I always said basically giving lip service um, during the campaigns, I guess, you know, during their campaign, they were just saying that, I mean, I, I guess I'm not going to say that they didn't mean it, but when it came time to actually do it there, I guess, I guess their heart really wasn't in it and didn't really want to deal with the diplomatic, <laughs> um, you know, stress or that might come with moving the embassy. Uh, embassy <laughs> what you trying to do brian <laughs> um um but yeah so with now with, with president trump he he did it so now well his nas move is there so when on the day of um i guess of the official the grand opening let's put it that way you had a lot of uh palestinians or you know over <laughs> trying to to get in and you had you know this huge you know uh i guess you could say a riot basically going on on the border of gaza and and so uh, if you had the mainstream media tell it basically they made it seem like israel were going out there and just slaughtering people for no reason slaughter people just because they're protesting yet they tend to totally leave out the part about the molotov cocktails and and basically using human shields and all the other things basically what they just caused a scene and the media just <laughs> do what the media does they just they grab that they used it against israel and also let's not forget they definitely want to make um, anything that has any connection to President Trump, they definitely want to use that to make the president look, you know, look bad in any in any way possible. So, I mean, I can, I, can you imagine if Obama actually moved the embassy during <laughs> during his eight years? If he would have moved it, and the same thing would have happened, they probably wouldn't even heard about it for one. One, I, one, he wouldn't have moved it. I don't think he would want to move it anyway. But let's say, for instance, if, I don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, uh, what, 
what is it? The, the clock? What is a dead clock? It's right twice a day or something. You know. <laughs> but um, let's say if, it's, if that did happen and he, and he did actually move to the U.S. Embassy, and this same incident happened, I could see this being reported a whole lot differently to the point to where it probably wouldn't have been reported because it would have made President Obama look bad. But anyway, whatever. You know, it, that it is what it is. So, yeah, so I, that's all I want to, just wanted to mention that. And, you know, the thing to me is just the fact of having all these different presidents. Like I said, it was Republican, Democrat like. Like I said, you had Bill Clinton said he was going to do it. George Bush said he was going to do it. All of them had, and we're talking about eight years for all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Had to think about it for a second. Yeah, yeah, eight, yeah, eight years for all of them, and yeah, nothing. And um, but you know, it finally happened, and I think it's you know, it's a good thing. It is something. It's a bit of a of a bucket list for me to go to Israel one time at least. I do want to go. I really want to go once, at least once, and because I don't. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this too much, but I'm not a big international traveler, like wanting, well, put it like wanting to go international, put it that way. I mean, I have, I've been to South Korea when I was in the army, but I'm not one of those people like, oh, I want to travel the world. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to Italy or whatever. <laughs> um, no, I, I I really have no aspirations to go anywhere outside of the United States. I really don't. Um, the only one, well, there's only two places. Like, like I said, I do want to go to Israel once. You know, I just want to go there to say I went and, you know, just just to be there in person. And that's one place. Also, you know, if let, let's say for instance, this podcast blows up to the point where I'm, I'm at least a, I think it was a million, a thousand there. Let's put it that way. Enough to where I could afford a trip, a nice trip and don't have to worry about, you know, scrounging for, for change. <laughs> but, um, and I guess, then I might want to go to Tokyo. <laughs> I, that is one other place I would like to go. I didn't get, get a chance to go when I was in South Korea, mainly because I didn't feel like it. <laughs> but um, it, I mean, it was a little. It wasn't expensive. I could have, I could have went then, but I don't know. I just didn't. I don't know. So that's one place I would say Tokyo, Israel. Those two places I want to go. Outside of that, man, <laughs> I'm I'm fine. I'm fine here. So, <laughs> but um. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't even know why I even got on this, but, <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, well, talking about going to Israel, but I'm um, talking about the embassy and everything, but, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, it, it, it's been, that was a, I guess you could say a, a pretty, well, it was something I didn't think about that was actually going to happen. I mean, I heard it during the campaign, but like I said, we've heard it plenty of times from both parties so but it's hearing that it the scene that it actually happened that that is um in that in this case this is it is like going toward that slogan that i hear you know that you hear so much especially when um when you had a rally uh for the president 
Um, you know, promises made, promises kept. This was one promise that was made. That was one promise that was kept. So, and so, yeah. So, also, well, we also had another thing that happened with uh, with President Trump as far as the media as well. And we'll get to that. But first, let's hear a word from our friends with the Founder Project. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like the Founding Project's civics education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. This is Dana Lash, and you're listening to Trend Chat. Yep, and, well, another little story. I'm not even going to really get into this too long because it really is nonsense. Honestly, I might spend a minute. <laughs> I'm actually going to look at the clock. Let's see how long it lasts. It's, probably, it's not going to be, it's going to be longer than a minute. But, um, so, President Trump was talking about MS-13, the ruthless gang that basically come over, come over here and just... And you know, violent. Look, I'm, I'm trying to keep from using the other words because that's the, kind of the whole gist of this story. But President Trump called them animals in describing these gang members. Now, kind of going back while talking about you know Israel as far as what was going on on the on the border uh, with those you know with the riots and basically and um. You had the media tell it. They just took what he said about you know them being animals. They took that part and then put that on to to basically mean he was talking about immigrants in general. Because some were saying illegal immigrants, some were saying you know undocumented, undocumented, whatever. You know what, whatever their words are. But they were just at one point they were just saying he was talking about immigrants in general. It just take it all the way there because that's that's one of um one of the stories as well but yet he was talking about if you hear the context and it's not much to get the full context because the context of it is hearing the question he was asked that was it it ain't like you had to listen to 10 20 minutes <laughs> to understand the context the context was the question but they didn't play the question they just played his answer so <laughs> And if they did, they didn't, if they mentioned the question, they didn't mention what the question was about. Anyway, like, oh, yep, been over a minute. But he, from that question, he said that, you know, in describing MS-13, that they were animals. And so that was used to make it seem like he was talking about immigrants in general, which is the prime example of what he calls fake news that that right there was fake news and so yeah and that's just another example of it and i'm done i am done i'm not gonna go more on on that because that's really that's all don't really need to get that much into it just understand that part so now we have a decision 
that came down from the Supreme Court. Now, you know, before we get into into that, I was thinking about <laughs> but um it's talking about what's been going on. I'm trying to just think about what other things as well. Now, I don't know how much y'all care. NBA finals. No, not the finals, but the conference finals are going on. So right now it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, Boston Celtics, and then you you have Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Now, I haven't been watching much at all, barely any at all. I haven't watched a full game all season. Um, so take this with <laughs> it will take this with as much as you take everything else you hear. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think the finals going to be off the top of my head. I'm thinking it's going to be Boston and. Boston and Golden State. And I think that Boston will be uh, will be more difficult than people realize. Mainly because they have good, you know, they are a really good defensive team. And we all know defense wins championships. That old, you know, <laughs> that old line. But um, so that's what I think. I we'll see. I'm probably not even gonna bring this up again. Who knows? But reason I brought this up is because it kind of takes me into what happened in, as far as the Supreme Court. Now, unless you already know what I'm about to say, unless you already heard about this, like where the sports in the Supreme Court, <laughs> what they got to do with each other. Well, this week they, the Supreme Court with the six, three decision has, um, basically, basically they did away with a law that was, um, that basically prohibited sports gambling. And so they declared that to be unconstitutional. So now it, um, it, that opened up for the States to, um, to, you know, whether to allow or not allow sports gambling, sports gambling. So it's not like from this decision, they said they, okay, we legalize sports gambling. No, that's not what it did. Um, I, I know some, maybe some maybe think of it that way. What they did is that they made it a state's issue. And as someone who is for, limited government as well. I know a lot of, a lot of us, a lot of people who are listening right now, we're, you know, limited government conservatives. And, you know, in that sense, this is great. Take as, as many of, many of these issues to the States as possible. (laughs) And this is one of them. So now this go, this comes down to, you know, each state basically, coming up with whatever plans they want to come up with as far as what they, um, how they want to address this, what if they want gambling or not. And the, the thing about, about this, um, whole deal is that, and I'm thinking about how these leagues. So, you know, I, like I was just talking about the NBA. So, now, you know, all these sports leagues, NBA, uh, NFL, you know, you know, Major League Baseball, 
and so on and so on. So now what they at the at the moment what they have to do is go to each state and you know oh, well one first they got to <laughs> they got to get gambling to to go through and to be approved to be allowed in that state for one first they got to do that then after that then whatever negotiation they want to go through as far as um you know if they want a piece of the piece of the revenue or whatever but uh i know that's some of the things that's been talked about since this has happened in the past couple of days and you know one thing one like i said the fact that this is a state's issue you know great now first off let me say before i get too further you know further into this uh personally you know i'm not a gambler and I, I don't think gambling is a great thing, really. Uh, you know, as you know, as a Christian, I don't think it's a good way of, you know, a, a good way to spend money or just, you know, to be a good steward of your money. But, you know, I'm, I'm saying that right now. But as far as just the the inevitability of it, that it's going to be you know, at least in some of these states, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are going to be some states that will not allow it. Now, the thing I'm thinking about when I was saying about these leagues going to all these states and trying to, you know, get their cut or whatever, I don't think that actually is going to happen. Well, I think it's going to happen in the sense of where you're going to have to first get the states that, that they want to, to allow, um, gambling the thing about it is i don't think that's i think the focus of these leagues leagues are going to point towards congress because i mean just think about it instead of having to go to each individual state right (laughs) you know you have to go to each state and make your case 50 times basically and so I can imagine them just, I mean, out now this is a, I would think to be the right way of doing it. Where they would do it this way, where they would go to each state and even, I mean, you have 50 different ways of doing it. You know, some that allow it, some that don't. And then the ones that do allow it, you have different, um, different plans and different laws. And through all that, you will figure out how to do it. The most, you know, the most effectively, I guess. The um, so that'll be the the right way of doing it, you know, in the sense of uh, we're talking about whether we're talking about gambling or, or anything. But I don't think that's going to happen. Actually, I, honestly, I don't think all of what I'm talking about. I don't think this was none of this is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is this: I think that the leagues are going to basically. Do what a lot of other corporations do. They're going to basically hire a lobby, a lobbying firm, right? And then they're going to lobby Congress to make some sort of federal regulation. I think that's what I think is going to happen. I think they they are probably going to say, you know what? Forget trying to go to all these different states and and try to convince them or this and that they're just going to hire one big lobbying firm 
and take it straight to Congress and, you know, tell those those congressmen and, you know, hey, how about you make a federal regulation and they'll just, you know, hand them some money or whatever like that. And I'm pretty sure there are going to be plenty of them up there that's going to take it. This is where it's up to the congressman to say no if they are for limited government. And, you know, are for, you know, having more state control, more local control. But unfortunately, I've mentioned that already that plenty of times in on this podcast, there are a lot more people who want to spend money. who want that that control. There are a lot more of them than, you know, your limited government conservatives up there. So. That's what I think is what's going to happen. These leagues are going to get some big lobbyists up there and they're going to, you know, push for some federal, federal regulation. And who knows, it's probably the next five, 10 years, maybe sooner than that. There'll just be one big, you know, big government federal regulation over sports gambling. So this whole thing about, um, this being a big state's issue, it's going to be to a degree, but there's going to be some federal regulation. Let's put it that way. So now another thing about this as well is that one reason that, you know, when it comes to sports that people are, (laughs) you have people that are so obsessed over their teams and, over sports in general. One reason behind that is because of gambling, because they, <laughs> they put money on it. So they're, very, they're literally invested in their team winning. <laughs> so, and you know, when they lose, not only did they just lose, they also lost money. And, and so th- th- that's one reason towards the obsession of sports. And whether we're talking about pro or college and now that you're going to have, cause you're going to have some of these States is going to be legal. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't see it being legal in all 50 States. I don't see all 50 States, you know, making this legal, but um, we're probably going to at least get a little bit, maybe a third, maybe half in the next couple of years. That's going to have it legal. And and once it become legal, I mean, you think people are fanatical now when it was, you know, under the table, <laughs> it's going to really get fanatical given the fact that people now that it's legal. Now people going to, people are really going to be jumping on, <laughs> on this whole, you know, <laughs> getting obsessed over their team and whatnot because now it's legal. So, you're going to have some of the people that maybe that were deterred from even thinking about doing this because they were trying to follow, you know, be law abiding citizens and not gamble because it's, it, it was against the law. Now they feel like, all oh, right, well, it's legal. So, Hey, let's, you know, let's do it. And, you know, yeah, like I said, it's just going to make sports just more fanatical than it is. And I'm pretty sure the leagues are, <laughs> No happy about that. So, so it's enough about that. It just that was just um 
just something I definitely had on on my mind. So let's get to our interview with Sheila Brantley. And um, like I said, we uh, we talked about NRA School Shield. And as soon as you hear another word from our friends with the Founder Project, we're here from Sheila. Hello, Trend Chat fans. The Founding Project invites you to experience our latest resource to take civics to citizens, TFP's new website. Visit us at www.thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Join us today. Hey everyone, this is Amy Robbins with Alexa Athletica, and you're listening to Trend Chat. Hello, this is Trend Chat, and I was at the NRA annual meetings recently, and I came across something on the program that, unfortunately, I was not able to attend, but I definitely wanted to talk to someone about and wanted to hear more, you know, about the program, and it was a NRA School Shield, and we have Sheila Brantley. She is the director of NRA School Shield, and I definitely wanted to talk with you about this program and wanted to get more information. So how are you doing? Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about our program today. Now, well, first thing I, I wanted to mention is, so unfortunately, I was not able to uh, attend the panels. So I guess the first thing, kind of tell us what, well, you know what, tell us about the program and what y'all talked about in, in those panels. So School Shield is a relatively new program of the NRA, and it's all about looking at how to make our schools more secure. Our mission is to simply protect our children. Uh, it was developed in December of 2012 after the tragedy at Sandy Hook, I think where the entire nation took a step back and said, this is uh, an issue that we all want to help uh, prevent. It's a tragedy that no community should have to go through. And with the NRA's membership of millions of men and women who are mothers and fathers and grandparents and aunts and uncles and in some cases brothers and sisters, each and every one of us said, what more can we do to help protect our schools? And School Shield was our answer to that question. So at the recent annual meeting in Dallas, Texas, we actually had the opportunity to have three panels, uh, one each day of the meeting, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where we talked to attendees about school security, uh, what things we're seeing in communities across the country, common vulnerabilities, if you will, and then questions uh, and, and activities that folks can take part in to help make their schools more secure. Okay. Now, if a school wants to have this on um, this program i mean is this something where they have to reach out to you or the, and how does how does everything work that's a great question so one of the cornerstones of our program is our security assessor training and when the program was first founded we actually had a, a task force an independent task force of different uh, security experts who went out and i like to say they took a temperature of what was going on in our schools at that time and the way that they did that was through a vulnerability assessment what we found is that many communities and many schools in those communities are not aware of a vulnerability assessment. So in most cases, they have not had one done. Uh, and really what that vulnerability assessment does is it tells folks where they have potential gaps in their security plan. And we're looking at multiple facets. We're looking at uh, technology and infrastructure, but also the policies, plans, and procedures that are in place should an emergency occur uh, that to make sure that that school is well prepared or as prepared as possible to, to 
get through whatever that emergency event might be. Okay. And now after the assessment, now if they want to mm-hmm. go further, is there another step? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a great question. So when you go through a vulnerability assessment, and these are typically conducted by your local law enforcement officers, uh, sometimes it would be district security personnel, but usually it's somebody, someone in the uh, official capacity for the direct responsibility of the safety and security of that school, but then they have a, a list of items that they need to address. And many times there is a funding uh, challenge there as well. So we actually have a grant program that's part of School Shield. It's developed through the NRA Foundation. And with that, when you have these vulnerability assessments, that basically becomes your needs assessment for the grant request. And then we are able to offer grant funding for those that are selected to make those very vital security improvements. Okay, and so when they, so when the school gets the grant, um, will it normally cover everything that was in the assessment or just like a selected number of things? It really depends. So all requests are different. They they definitely vary in size and scope and obviously the cost. So all of them are, are evaluated on their own merit. And then, of course, it, it's selected by the committee and based on the available funding as well. So it's hard to say uh, who all will, will be selected, but we definitely encourage those when the grant application is open to apply for that funding because we know that that is uh, definitely a challenge out there, and it's a, it's one of the components of our program that we hope to use to, to help make those schools more secure. Okay, and and as far as the grants, uh, I guess the cost of it and what and what y'all give is um, I guess it varies from whatever that they're looking for. Absolutely, it does. It's very difficult. You know, with some schools, they have invested quite a bit in their technology or perhaps their infrastructure if they're a newer school. Sometimes a lot of these life safety and security features were included in in the newer construction. But for other schools, they may be looking at training or uh, improving some of their policies and procedures, which many times is low or no cost. So really, these vulnerability assessments are a great way to really assess where where schools are at, uh, what best practices they have in place so that they can continue to, to make those um, improvements. And then obviously the enhancements through any of the potential vulnerabilities that they've identified, uh, they can mitigate those as well. Okay. How many schools are covered, I mean, or has done the assessment and gotten the grants? I mean, I don't know if y'all can release those numbers, but I was just wondering. Yeah, no, so it's, you know, for the schools that have participated in our program, and a lot of folks do ask that question, so with our training, we've done, I believe it's just under 20 trainings over the past couple of years. Uh, We've hosted the trainings from Alaska to Virginia and many states in between. And then in 2017, we were actually able to document 150, uh, almost 150 completed assessments uh, as a direct result of our training. So those are officers that we have trained, law enforcement officers across the country, reporting back and, and telling us that they were able to collectively assist 150 schools across the country. So with those schools and many others, we actually just in the spring of 2018 opened up our first national grant application, and we're in the process of reviewing those applications as we speak, and then eventually you'll see a uh, news release announcing the funding that we released out um, and and with, you know, kind of more generic information of where the funding was uh, was awarded, perhaps at the state level, and then um, what types of projects were funded as well. Okay. Um, 
So if uh, if a school receives a grant, they get like equipment or is it particular like I guess training in weapons and as far as anything like that, or is it like um, I guess you get like um, police officers or someone to a security guard. I mean, is those some of the things that go into the grant, or that, or, or am, I, am I off? <laughs> yeah, no. So our grant program for this most recent grant cycle, what we encourage folks uh, to support to, to focus on would be projects and/or activities that facilitate the inclusion inclusion or enhancement of industry best practices and in school security infrastructure technology personnel training and/or policy. So examples of previous awards that we had given out included uh, things like perimeter fencing updates and repairs, uh, secured visitor entry systems, so sometimes door buzzers with security cameras and intercoms to be able to control the folks coming and going from that main entrance. Uh, also DVR and camera systems, window safety security film, uh, sometimes ballistic shielding to kind of harden that entrance a little bit more and add to that element of delay. Uh, we did have some folks that were looking for the installation of panic buttons or immediate response systems. There were some uh, training opportunities that were funded as well in the past and, and things like even classroom emergency kits. So what we're looking for in the request now, uh, what we're seeing in the review period is uh, a lot of requests for access control, again, visitor management systems and training. Uh, so really the school identifies what their uh, priority projects are and it's really not up for us to say whether or not a specific component or product or service is appropriate. The school is expected to have already vetted that. But what we're uh, trying to do is answer that need through the funding that they may not have otherwise had access to. All right. Um, now, given with everything that's uh, been going on at least in the past year, mm -hmm. I just wanted, I guess I wanted to ask is, um, has the reception, I guess, been, I don't know. Let me ask you, how has the, has the, the reception been when you go to some of these schools? I'm pretty sure they're, as soon as they hear NRA, they um, tend to have a different view as far as what, you know, of why, or why you're, uh, why you're at this school or even doing anything. Cause you know, NRA tends to be viewed as the, you know, the bad guy um, when it comes to these right. things. It is. You know, a lot of folks who don't understand the program, I think, definitely wonder if there's been any challenges to the program simply because it is made possible through the National Rifle Association. But I can tell you that my personal experience and those that are on staff, we've worked in so many different communities of folks who are very grateful for this resource. I think that when it comes to looking at how to protect our children and how to make our schools more secure, it's uh, something that we can not look at in terms of a political uh, window, but actually saying this is something we all can agree on. It doesn't matter if you're on um, the left side, the right side, you know, whatever your beliefs are, political or otherwise, this is something we can all agree on. And so most communities that we've worked in have not had any issue whatsoever, particularly because this is training. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize that the NRA was founded in 1871 on the basis of education, training, and safety. And so this program fits quite perfectly with that mission, that original mission. And when we tell folks this training particularly, 
is actually helping to facilitate the vital partnership between local law enforcement agencies and the schools themselves, uh, which is also something that the NRA has um, been steadfastly committed to, which is public safety. I think that it's yet another area that highlights the importance of coming together and a shared commitment to, to making these schools more secure. Yeah, I, you know, I, and I agree that this shouldn't be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be, but, I, you know, there's, there are mm-hmm. plenty of people out there that want to make it as, as such. So, uh, Sheila, I am I'm grateful that you're able able to come on. And um, and if anyone wants to know more about the NRA um, School Shield and want to get in contact, whether on you know on the internet, social media, how can they do that? Yeah, thank you so much for for giving us this opportunity. So if you want more information about our resources, about our training, about our grant funding, please do visit us on the website at www.nraschoolshield.org. Okay, and any anything on social media? Uh, we so all of the social media is on the NRA's Facebook page. So if you go onto the NRA's Facebook page, you can find information about not just School Shield but all of our education and training programs. Okay, all right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Yep, and thanks to Sheila for joining us. And that is it for this episode of Trend Chat. And it'll be episode 99. One more and, well, yeah, it'll be one more until 100. And we we have a number of guests lined up for the 100th episode. And we're looking forward to that. So, like I said, we'll have one, well, 99 will be next week. So, I guess in two weeks from now, we'll have episode 100. And appreciate everyone listening. Like I said, you know, if you like it, share it, subscribe, all of that. iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all of that. So thanks to everyone for listening. And, you know, as always, until next time, we'll chat with you later. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. 
When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.